0: You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. I'm your host, Jonathan Grzybowski, and today we have Tim Schmidt on the show. Tim is a Florida-based digital marketing entrepreneur who specializes in startups and emerging industries. A self-taught internet marketer, Tim relies on content as the backbone of all of his businesses. This philosophy led him to teach a course on affiliate marketing, gave him many speeches at the at industry events, and has even led him to write a soon-to-be-released book called Amplifying Average. You can learn more about it on his website at timschmidt.com, which will be linked in the description notes, uh, will we'll be in the show notes, excuse me. In the interview, I wanted to focus a large portion of the conversation around content creation and SEO. SEO, as you I'm sure I've heard multiple times, has played such an integral part in Penji's success, and we believe heavily in it here. I love listening to other people's processes and, and other people's procedures, um, and this interview is, is, really, is really no different to, from that. Uh, towards the end of the conversation, we talk about affiliate marketing and how important it can be to the livelihood and success of a of a side income. Tim is able to travel more often now than ever before because of the affiliate commission that he obtains from specifically Marriott, and that comes specifically from great SEO and great content. This is incredibly hard to do, so I applaud Tim for being able to achieve this. Affiliate marketing has incredible benefits, and... Again, it's one of those things that I'm deeply passionate about and want to learn more into. And if you are interested or if you are in the industry of side hustles or using the power of affiliate marketing, um, we'd love to hear about it. Just head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. It would be amazing if we could just hear what what you do in the world of affiliate marketing and how successful it is for you um, in your side hustle or even your full-time hustle. Who knows? So let's get right to today's episode with Tim. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to Penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's Penji.co, P-E-N-J-I.co, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now, let's get to today's episode. Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it
0: absolutely so is it true that you used to be a rollerblade tester
1: (laughs) yeah that's very true it was an awesome job
0: (laughs) really interesting see i feel like a large majority of people would probably say that is an awesome job but like let's hear let's talk about it like why why was it an awesome job for you
1: well at the time i was about 14 years old and one of my good friends growing up's father was one of the founders of rollerblade in minnesota and they were developing new inline skates and wanted some people to test out their new concepts. And what better than the kids that were actually going to use them and be their target market? So, a group of us that played a lot of roller hockey back then and just used them as basic transportation to get around the mean rolling hills of our suburb of Eagan, Minnesota, um, were a perfect test, you know, demographic for them. So we basically wore these for 40 to 60 hours at a time. And when we finished that, we had to fill out like a five-page report and say, okay, here's what I liked about them, here's what I didn't. If you got blisters, you had to circle exactly where on your foot you got them. Um, Anything that broke, you had to mention, and basically just give a whole product review, which kind of segues into what I do now, but it was a very early start for getting, you know, someone product feedback and helping someone take a prototype all the way to the end finish line.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, I mean, at 14, I didn't know that you were doing this at 14, so, uh, I mean, that's like, and I'm I'm gonna assume that you're getting paid for it, or no?
1: yeah yeah we got ten dollars an hour which was very cool because you got paid you know the back then when you didn't have a car obviously at 14 in the summer just going to a friend's house i would rollerblade there and if it took me you know 15 minutes i would log it and you know sometimes i'd get my 40 to 60 hours in two weeks sometimes it'd take a month but uh, there were days we played roller hockey for four to five hours and we get to log all those hours so it was honor system which was very cool but you know we to return those blades back, beat up, they knew we used them, which was pretty nice
0: that 's cool that 's cool. a great story. Thank you for uh, for sharing that. Uh, as much as I want to cater an entire half hour plus to rollerblading uh, we need to we need to be able to educate people a little bit more about business because i 'm sure there are stories within rollerblading and business as well um, so the the title of this episode i 'm calling is is SEO worth it now uh, I talked a little bit a, a little bit about um, Uh, The success of our SEO strategies, but to kind of give you some context, we're generating over a hundred thousand plus page views visitors um, on a monthly basis when it comes to Penji's specifically website and a large majority of that traffic has come from executing a strategy of SEO And so I can stay here until I'm blue in the face and say, you know what, SEO is absolutely worth it. It is something that you need to invest in. But I think it'll come much better coming. It'll sound much better coming from you. So my question to you is: Is SEO worth it? And if so, what should we what should we be doing?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, you can look at small companies all the way to large companies. And if you're not found on the web, you're just simply out of the game. I mean, I have a son who's almost 14 years old and they dropped off a yellow pages at our front door about a year ago. And the doorbell rang and he got it and he picked it up. And this kid's a 4.0 grade point average student. And he picked it up and said, dad, what is this? And I was <laughs> shocked. I couldn't believe it. But to me, there was no better testament of saying you need to be found in Google than that right there. I mean, he asked me, well, well why would you use this? You know, I was like, well, you know, back in the old days, we used to look at these and find a business. If you needed a chiropractor or a lawyer or a LASIK surgeon or a dentist, you'd open that up and you'd go to that category or you'd look it up by name and you'd find it. and you find their phone number. And he's like, well, isn't that why we use Google? So to me right there, that just told me that, you know, the old style of looking up people's information and finding businesses is absolutely done. So when a kid that's 14 and uses a computer and uses an iPhone uh, every day to find things, sometimes things I don't really approve of, but it's a different story. Um, you know, it's, it, it's very, adamant to me that people have to be found online and you can find that all the way down to a little business. That's a one man operation, maybe a hairstylist or someone that's spending three to $500 a month on SEO all the way to large corporations and e-commerce centers that are, you know, spending five, even six figures a month to be found in an organic play.
0: Can, can you actually obtain, I guess, results when it comes to paying three, $400 for SEO? Because I feel like knowing SEO as well as as, as I personally do it, it involves so much more than just four hundred dollars so I would love to hear your approach of like I guess the four hundred strategy versus the ten thousand dollars strategy, and maybe some tips that you could give along the way in between.
1: Sure. I mean, you know when I throw out numbers like three to five hundred dollars a month, there's people down there, and, and I don't typically work with these clients unless it's like a friend or family or someone that. Um, happens to be thrown to me and is really at wit's end with their business. And I'm just kind of, I don't want to say throwing them a bone or a lifeline or anything, but you know, there might be something where I'm in the right place in the right time. And I have an hour to spend with them and and get them up to speed. There are people that live in, I know you said you're from Philly and being down here in Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Um, we're in some pretty big markets and they're very competitive. I don't care what you do, whether you're the local bar restaurant or you're a lawyer or like I said, a chiropractor dentist. It's a lot more competitive here. But there are some people that live in places like Dubuque, Iowa, or, um, you know, Rugby, North Dakota. Mm -hmm. And you look for a lawyer, there's probably only three, four, or even five in that vicinity. However, there are people there that, lo and behold, even though there are only a handful of people that do that exact trade, are not found on page one, two, three, four, or five of Google. And to me, that baffles me. But it's very simple. There's some very simple plays you can put into your website, such as changing your home tag, your homepage title tag, which baffles me. I mean, sometimes I'll I'll get referred to people that are relatives of someone or I'll be at someone's house and they'll say, hey, could you just help me with this quick? And I'll look at it. I'll say, well, you're not ranking because your homepage just simply has the title tag that says home. And, you know, it's sometimes a matter of they built a website and it was a template or someone in their family or someone in their um, circle of friends that knew a little bit about web design, put it up, or just these days it's all WordPress. They put it up and they just didn't bother to change any title tags or do any basic SEO, which with one simple plugin, it kind of directs you and tells you what to do in fact with that. So by going in and spending 10 minutes of my time, I can go in and update the homepage title tag. And for anyone who has a very small business, getting on page one of your local vicinity, like let's say Rugby, North Dakota, just because I know it's a very small town, I had a roommate from there in college, You can go in there and if you're a criminal defense lawyer in rugby, literally your homepage title tag should be criminal defense lawyer rugby, right? Getting your local, your locality in there as far as, as well as your profession, exactly what you do. If you're a DUI lawyer, you swap that out with DUI lawyer and whatever you do should be your homepage title tag as well as your brand. So getting those two things up there will make sure that you have the best possibility of getting found in Google on page one. Now, of course, SEO is a very long winded and um, time tested kind of roll up your sleeves and and put in a lot of work type business. So obviously, there's a lot more factors that go into that, like link building. Of course, your content has to reflect your keywords as well and, and kind of be substantial to be relevant. Of course, I encourage blogging for the I don't care if you're a small business or a large business. The harder the niche you're in, the more you have to put out content to stay relevant. Google does not like to see a website out there that just looks stale, irrelevant, and you know, if you, if your bottom of your website says copyright 2005 and here we are in 2019, the back half at all, you know, it looks really bad. And they want to see fresh content. They want to see that you're working at it and that you actually care about it, and that you just didn't put up some placeholder and then just left it up there to dry. Um, so those are just the basics of SEO. Of course, I don't know how long you want me to get into um, things you can do to get ahead. If you're a huge business or in a more competitive market.
0: Um, I I think uh, let's uh, dive in a little bit more into that because, uh, the local SEO game obviously is very important. And a lot of people like, I, I guess from what I've seen at least, and this is just me being in the agency world prior to a lot of the small businesses, they just don't want to understand it. And I see the people who actually invest the time and the money and the resources to actually do it, whether it's at a small level, um, Local level, more so not small. Local level sure. um, can can really win the game. But when it comes to like big business, when it comes to and when I say big, I mean like online businesses. And we could use like companies like ours, like a SaaS type of business that needs that that lives and thrives off of that traffic. I think that's the to me that's the 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 beauty in in the SEO is that 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 flow that magic. And can you? Walk us through a little bit more about that creative process and how to succeed in the world of like digital products and digital services or training courses or whatever it may be.
1: Sure. I think I can speak from experience in having a client in the uber competitive dating space. And you always kind of have to reinvent yourself because everyone has the same product. We're trying to get people to get online and sign up and meet other people. And it's a great business if you have success, because if you have a good database of people that are members of your dating site, you get a monthly fee for every single one of them. There's very low overhead other than customer support. Um, you know, your site's already built. Your software's already built. It's, it's just a great model for recurring revenue. However, you have to make sure that you have members in that database that are active, that are actually helping people find other people, and, you know, be cohesive with one another. So how do you take a dating site and be different from another dating site? Well, there's all sorts of things like niches. And I won't get into all the different niches and datings. There's, there's literally, there's niche dating for people that like to walk dogs. I mean, it's crazy. They go so far out there that you can find someone that has a really weird quirk that you have as well. And there's probably a dating site that lines up with a member base that, that relates to that. But as far as getting good SEO results and getting people to that exact dating site, some of the things that we do to think outside the box are come up with things that people like to share online if you ever use social media and you log in people are always sharing things that are just unique and look cool or kind of a did you know type fact so for example one of them that we did the other day was something that said the cost of going out on a date in xyz city and we took the major the biggest city in every state and we literally broke it down and this is a report we gathered other you know the information we gathered in other places but we literally said if you go on a date in Miami, it's going to cost you an average of $138. Now, if you're in Chicago, it might be $89. And then all the way down to San Francisco, which will probably be $200. And then smaller markets will so be smaller. But people love sharing that. And you can skew that however you want. You can say, this is the cost to meet someone. This is the cost to hook up. This is the cost for a date. This is what it costs monthly to go on a date every week in XYZ city. But people love sharing that, and that stuff goes on Facebook, and of course, you wanna put that out there as an infographic that's a really nice graphic with some intelligence behind the graphic design. And if you do things like that, you're gonna get a lot of social shares, and behind that, you're gonna get link-building to it. Other sites will link to it, right? You might have a Miami blogger recognize that on his Facebook feed, and he might go to his blog and blog about Hey guys, did you know actually the average cost of a date in Miami is $138? That's true. It was published on this dating site and they'll link to it. And as most SEOs know, link popularity and getting links from relevant sites and sites that are in the same locale are very, very important. I don't care what anyone says. Links have been the backbone of Google search for a long time. And no matter how they try to outweigh that or, or find out if you're gaming the system, it's still just as their biggest ranking factor. and stuff like sharing infographics and quirky facts that you might not think of really is a difference maker because there's a lot of people out there that just don't put out good content. They don't update their site. But if you think outside the box and put something on your site that people would be interested in sharing, you've got a much, much faster, um, basically track to get online and, and get into Google's top page. If you're doing stuff like that constantly.
0: Yeah. And that, that is an uh, incredibly, um, impactful advice. And, I'd like to go a step further and ask about the organization process, because I think, again, coming from experience, organization and structure and processes and procedures, it's always going to be the Achilles heel because you lose your process and you lose the motivation or you lose your sense of direction. So could you give us some uh, advice on ways that you either work with your clients on, um, or even yourself when it comes to just content generation and thoughtfulness um, in the content that you write?
1: Sure, so one of the processes that we have here in-house, and whether it's myself or one of my writers, and, and basically every client has someone assigned to the account that oversees content, because content is still always a huge play in SEO, um, is that we get alerts for keywords that have to do with their business, especially something like dating, which can be something that gets you know, so many hits a month because there's so many stories about it, whether it's celebrity dating or breakups or rumors or whatever it is, we'll get Google alerts on that topic. And even more so, you can take the related keywords, which we call LSI, and go into Google News on a daily basis. So you the first thing to do is look at your alerts and, and see what stories came up. And the next thing we do is go into Google news and type in keywords related to that business and we'll find the best stories and we'll basically curate them. And what I mean by curate them is, um, recently there was, we're doing a big play right now on human trafficking because one of our dating clients is in the, I guess we call it hookup dating industry. So it's basically not like, Hey, we're trying to meet each other and have a great marriage and have a white picket fence, three kids and a dog, and, and you know, live out and, and have a perfect life. No, there's actually sites out there that cater to people that want to meet, and just kind of want to hook up, and that's the end of it. So those are very prevalent, and we do have a client in that space. So we have a big play on human trafficking. We're actually getting a lot of traffic from that right now because we're going in every single day and telling people, hey, why are you catering to escorts or prostitution when a lot of times it's illegal, and many times the people that solicit that are getting arrested. So we're going out and curating stories about people that are maybe soliciting an escort, Or maybe they didn't even know they were supposed to escort, but they did. And we're telling them, hey, like, you have a big probability of getting busted. It's happening more and more. I mean, you probably saw what happened to the owner of the Patriots. That was a big story that kind of spearheaded everything here in Florida. And they're busting these places where, you know, there's questionable massages or whatever pretty much every week. And there's huge stories. So we go out there and blog and say stuff like, hey, you saw this place on 441 got busted. Don't be that guy in there trying to, you know get illegal um, people that are humanly trafficked that are doing this against their will. Don't try, to pay, don't try to get paid for their services. When there are websites out there with willingly women that want to see you and hook up with you, sign up here. So these, these stories tend to go viral as well, especially the one with Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots mm-hmm. that went extremely viral. Everyone in the world pretty much knows about that. But on a smaller scale, you can take these stories, and when you get alerts, you're one of the first ones to blog about it, you can be in Google and be right behind the main stories, even before sometimes the big press sites get out there and write about them. So you can pick off a lot of traffic very simply by rewriting a four hundred to one thousand word article and just taking putting your take on it and, and putting it in your own words.
0: So you mentioned Google Alerts. Um, when you're using Google Alerts, how do you how do you decide on the uh, the keywords, or how do you decide on the things that are that you're getting alerts for?
1: So a lot of times we'll use the keywords that the client is trying to rank for, or we'll just take the generic industry. Right. Okay. So for example, if it is, uh, let's stick, let's stick with dating. Since we've been talking about that a lot. Um, it could be if we're doing a dating site and it's trying to rank for uh, dating websites, we can type in, uh, dating, D- dating, will get you a lot of results. We try to like pare that down to a little bit more specific. So dating rumors, uh, celebrity breakups, Mm. Stuff like that. Things that you know will be in the media. Um, you know, anytime a celebrity breaks up with someone or there's a rumor of uh, Brad Pitt seeing someone, that'll be on TMZ, that'll be on the Star. It'll be all over the tabloids. And those are pretty easy ones to get. So basically, just think of your alerts to be something that's around the keyword set you're trying to rank for. And then kind of think outside the box and get to more generic ones, um, you know, that are, that are revolving around the business still.
0: Okay. And then now you... You, you have them and I'm, I'm always curious because I've, I've talked to a lot of SEO uh, aficionados and a lot of people use different things. Do you have any particular tool that you use in order to categorize that uh, or in order to just list them all out? Uh, do you, are you using Google Sheets? Or are you using any particular software that allows you to just like maneuver and, and make decisions a little bit more clearly?
1: So what we'll do is we'll put those in Google Sheets if there's a, a plethora of data, because sometimes in some of the niches we're in, it'll be pretty small, but in dating, it does get large. Yeah. So we kind of have a rule, um, take the people involved and see what their search demand is. And we can use, you know, you can use any keyword um, keyword velocity or keyword volume tool out there that you want. We use one called Keywords Everywhere. And you can basically say, okay, if it's uh, Bradley Cooper, That's really good because he gets a lot of searches. So you're going to want to talk about his relationship with, uh, I think it was Lady Gaga or someone he's involved with now.
0: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, basically we'll go in and we'll categorize them because if there's 10 stories and we're only writing two a day, we want to make sure we hit the ones that are going to bring us the most return and the most traffic on it. Um, So we'll go in and we'll put those in Google sheets. And then the next step is take the keywords and the people involved in the space and look at keyword demand there. And then just take the two highest ones and write about those. And then you can always save the other ones for a rainy day if it's a slow day.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then you also mentioned that, um, going back to going back to tools, because I think tools are such a great thing to talk about because so many people use so many different things, but you mentioned a plugin. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the plugin that you use as well, or the plugin that you recommend.
1: Um, for, for what, um, task basically, I, I can't remember what you're talking about.
0: Oh, so you mentioned about uh, a plugin that you use for, um, like generating, I guess, like the, the, the meta data and i Oh, sure, title. um, yeah. yeah,
1: I think we were speaking of local SEO and basically yeah. getting the keywords, uh, properly done. So all in one SEO is a pretty good plugin for WordPress and anyone can just put that plugin and you go to plugins, add, and. Click activate, and that'll be on. That'll be there, and basically, it'll you can start writing your titles and your descriptions, your meta descriptions, right in there. And it'll tell you if you have used too many, um, too many uh, characters. Is what I was trying to say. Um, so when you use too many characters, it's always not the best for Google, and it'll cut you off and say, "Hey, the limit is I believe it's sixty-eight right now in the title, and it'll it'll cut you off. So you'll want to rewrite that. And as a general rule of thumb, never repeat a keyword in your title tag. So if you're trying to rank for best lawyer in Miami, don't say best, best lawyer in Miami, I'm the best Miami lawyer, call me. I mean, use words that other people that people would use because the main thing I like to tell people as clients and I tell my friends and family this as well because everyone just is is really into this kind of stuff. The way I search for something is going to be totally different from the way you search for something. If I'm looking for a traffic ticket attorney in Miami, I might type in traffic ticket attorney, Miami. You might type in traffic ticket attorney near me, or you might type in traffic ticket lawyer near me. So it's very important to sprinkle in those different keywords and, and maybe ask. I always tell people, if you don't know what someone would search for, or if you don't really know how to write a title tag, ask five people how they would find your client. So if, let's say, for example, if your client is a dentist in Fort Lauderdale, ask, some, ask five people, what would you type in to find a dentist in Fort Lauderdale? And you'll be shocked. You'll get, diff- you'll get answers all over the board. Some people might type in um, veneers Fort Lauderdale, teeth whitening Fort Lauderdale, best dentist Fort Lauderdale. So you're going to get all sorts of different things. And ultimately that's what you want to use when you start writing these title tags and your content.
0: I mean, I think that is incredibly important, incredibly huge advice. Uh, simply just what asking people, asking them, Hey, what would you search? And I feel like that's like a good basis of the content that you could probably produce for yourself.
1: Sure. And it also gives you your keyword list. I mean, you might think you have used all these keyword tools and found your whole list of keywords that you want to rank for. And then you ask somebody and you're just mesmerized by what they say. And it might only come up as 50 or 90 searches a month, but guess what? If no one's trying for those keywords and you're out there getting them, you know, that's just free money right there. I always try to find the low hanging fruit, the easy candy out there that people just don't think of.
0: Yeah. And so let's, let's go, let's dive a little bit deeper in that because the low hanging fruit is is incredibly important and I feel like I was either reading an article or watching a video I'm not entirely sure which one it was but it was talking about how to compete with the big boys that was the uh the phrase that you used and uh, or maybe it was like a podcast interview I'm not again I'm not entirely sure but anyways um you talked about competing with the big boys so what are some ways that you can compete if you're a small fry and you're trying to compete with again these people who are much bigger much larger more competitive than you what are what are some like really basic level ways that with very little amounts of money that you're able to then take that information and then execute a solid SEO strategy to gain traffic and maybe even steal traffic away from the from your competitors
1: sure well you, you said something that we do every single day and what i used to teach in in affiliate marketing Um, as far as stealing traffic. And that's probably the number one way that I've differentiated myself and and really uh, made money online versus other people. So the best way to really kind of steal traffic from people is to rank from their brand and point out differences and comparisons. So let's say uh, you're selling a product that competes with Nike, and you want to rank for a product name that is similar to the Nike Air Jordans, but you've got a product that just launched and you feel like it's way better than that, but you want to get Nike's customer base. So you'll want to put up a page that tries to rank for Nike Air Jordans, but you'll want to compare it to your product. So you'll come in and say, hey, the Nike Air Jordans have been an iconic shoe since 1985 or whatever it is. and He's sold you know, millions of pairs of shoes, and he's got all these athletes behind him, and they've done it. But did you know this sneaker recently launched actually is getting rave reviews, and it's being compared to the Nike Air Jordans? And let me tell you a little bit about it right now. So just by telling people, hey, you recognize that Air Jordan is the king out there, and everybody knows about the shoes. There are other shoes that are comparable, and guess what? They cost $50 less or $70 less. So you can easily make a page about your competitor, build links to it, and, and basically make it your best written page on your site. Because you've got you to remember, as an affiliate marketer, or if you're even doing this in a, in a regular client SEO space, the more popular the product or company the more search demand that'll be out there, but also the more competition. Because companies like Nike and the Air Jordans are blogged about every single day. They're written about in publications, they're written about in fashion magazines, sports magazines, sporting news, ESPN, you name it. And you're not gonna have a good chance about ranking them. So you really need to kind of consider what products you're gonna look for and go after. When I was in the e-cigarette space as an affiliate, there was probably eight to 10 companies that were kind of the big market leaders. And everybody wanted to rank for the first and second company because they had so much traffic behind them. If you rank for their brand name, plus the word review. So for example, one of them was green smoke. If you'd like, if you rank for green smoke review and you were on page one, you were probably earning five figures a month. If you wrote a very positive review about them and gave them a coupon code, obviously if you have coupon code and you write a positive review, customers are going to read that with a great deal of love. And they're probably going to buy the product because so you did a lot of different things. You kind of, Took them and gave them a review that they wanted to read, which kind of said, hey, I was looking at that product anyways, and this person said, it's great. And then at the end of it, you give them a coupon. I mean, they're going to click that order now button right at the end, and, and you're going to get permission. So everybody was trying to rank for that company and a couple other ones. Well, I went to the bottom half and took the lower five ones, and I ranked for those companies. Mm-hmm. And while their technology and their products weren't on par with green smoke and blue cigs and V2 SIGs and South Beach smoke, the big, the big dogs back then, I took those brands and reviewed them and said hey look if you're looking for smoke tip it's a great brand it's a two-piece cigarette and screwed in I think it's 40 bucks if you want to buy it click right here but if you want the best a company that's out there growing every day coming out with innovation new flavors new devices new stuff to make it portable and even transportable look at this review on green smoke look at this one on v2.6 or maybe check out vaporfy and they would read those and say oh my god I was looking for this little device in the system I heard about, but there's actually better stuff out there. Crazy. So next thing you know, they're reading about the small company that you ranked for because it was a lot easier to rank for than the big dogs, but you used to do the same thing that the guys that ranked for the big dogs did anyways, you sold them that product. So that's a really nice hack, especially in affiliate marketing. If you're reviewing products,
0: yeah, and I, and I want to get into the world of affiliate marketing, um, but I absolutely love that approach. And do you feel like going for the smaller, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, do you feel like that's a longer strategy? Because, again, a lot of people are just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go right to the top. I'm going to go for the big dog. I'm going to go after that person, and I'm going to steal that traffic. The fact of the matter is that it takes a ridiculously A ridiculous amount of time in order to, to, to achieve that. Do you, would you say to compare the two, what would you say is the shorter, uh, the shorter path to success going directly for the top and going after that one keyword or that multiple keywords in order to, to make up for the traffic that, that one keyword be able to bring?
1: Yeah. I'd always side with going for multiple keywords. And the reason why is If you're going for the the biggest terms out there, which a lot of affiliates do, and I think that's an error unless you consider yourself in the top 1% of SEOs, And, and there's no knock against people that are, because there are some people out there that are just head and shoulders better. They've got a team. They've got a process. They've got assets that they can use to rank pretty much anything. If you fall into that category, by all means, go for the biggest keywords out there and do it and roll up your sleeves and get it done. But if you're new or you're not in the top 1%, which obviously the other 99 aren't, Go ahead and go for multiple keywords. Go for the longer tail keywords, which are always going to convert better anyways. The general rule of thumb in affiliate marketing and online marketing in general is the more words someone types out in a search string, the more adamant they are about buying or the more serious they are about the search. So when you rank for those kind of keywords versus something that's maybe one or two keywords set, your traffic is more valuable anyways. And not to get into the whole algorithm or how it works, but when you start generating traffic and people stay on your site. Google starts to like your site a little bit more. So if you rank for a long tail keyword, like what is the best electronic cigarette that's made of two pieces and you just dominate that and you get 20 visits a day, but every one of those 20 visits is staying on your site three to four minutes, accessing multiple pages. That's huge for Google. Google's going to love your site. They don't care if you rank for a hard keyword or a small keyword, because remember the core of their algorithm is user experience. So if someone gets to your site and does what I just said, stays on the site for a while, flips around to multiple pages, multiple pages, that's a good experience. You basically helped Google solve an answer that someone was looking for and you gave them a great experience clearly because they stayed on your site for multiple minutes and accessed a number of pages, which is a very good thing. Now when you do that, and then you start adding into the big keywords and then you start going for the, hey, let's go for green smoke. Let's go for V2SIGs. You kind of already have that respect with Google And you can go ahead and do that. And they're going to give you a little bit more leverage and ease versus someone who just starts out trying to find that keyword and get there. But it takes them maybe a year or two to get from the middle of nowhere to page two. And maybe that page isn't written as well, because again, when you're dealing with keywords that are a lot more competitive, you're dealing with marketers that are that much better and smarter. And I've seen some pages in the electronic cigarette space, which kind of made me get out of it after a while, that are so well designed. I mean, you think that they've got a team of 25 people working for them. Because you go to a review, it's got all these bells and whistles and comparisons and widgets and um, the, the videos and the media that they insert in these pages. It's just so incredibly done. It looks like it took them two weeks to write a review that we usually spend a day on and then we fine tune it over the next couple of weeks with you know time here and there. So it's a lot better to go for the longer tail ones and then add the other ones, the big dogs kind of later, because you've already got that credibility with Google.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like everything else in life, it's about building that credibility. It's about building that trust. It's about building that uh, authority. And that, that takes time. And um, would you say that for the people who are doing this, um, for the people who are, um, I guess, maybe disappointed that they're not able to see the results that they would want, what is the time period of when you think that people should start seeing these results and the traffic to start to build up? and need that authority starting to exist?
1: Sure. There's a lot of variables, obviously, that come into play, like whether you're doing it full-time or you're kind of dabbling in it. Um, Obviously, the more time you spend on it, the better. But I tell anyone, wait six to nine months because there's a filter on a new domain. Um, You have to get, I always tell people, get 50 pages up before Google even starts looking at you. Um, And obviously, it's niche-dependent as well. If you're going out there and say, I'm going to compete out there in payday loans, which is notoriously one of the hardest niches out there because they pay a big stipend for anyone you refer. You're gonna have your hands full and that might be a two-year project even if you're throwing really good links at it and you're a really good SEO. But there are some low-hanging fruit out there. I tell people that are first getting into it, I said, number one, don't ever get into a niche that you're not passionate about. If you can't wake up every day and be excited about what you're promoting, it's not gonna last long-term. Money only goes so far. You're not gonna update your site and add in advice on the site if you just aren't passionate about it. Uh, for me, that's kind of why I'm getting into the travel space. I love traveling. I travel a lot and I used to blog about it and kind of funnily, I, I used to always go to TripAdvisor and share my experience with people and then I realized all I'm doing is helping TripAdvisor make money, you know, mm-hmm. and, and helping all the people that go there. So why don't I start my own travel blog and tell people in my own voice about this and lo and behold, I, I've done it and it's, it's far from full time. I mean, it's something I maybe update two hours a month, but since I do write reviews about places I go and I do... Write copy about places that are are of interest to me. I do get people coming to the site and commenting, and along the way, the site's got some some domain authority, and, and I do saw guest posts on it, which has made it profitable and has offset the travel costs. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. So let's talk about affiliate. Um, if, how to not necessarily how to get affiliate, but how how does the affiliate world work? So you're writing these articles, um, travel in particular. We'll use that as the example and now you're writing this kick-ass article it's a couple thousand words maybe it has a ton of amazing pictures and it's saying it's telling people hey go here buy this do this experience etc at the end of the day how are you getting the i guess the the results uh how are you getting the commission that's based off of the article that you're writing sure
1: so in in travel it's it's something that Um, I kind of built this site with a long, long long-term approach into it. Like legitimately, my goal is in the next five years to retire from everything I'm doing and just focus on the travel site. So right now I'm kind of doing it, I don't want to say as a hobby, but I'm building it up and um, as people know that are in the industry or people that maybe don't know, the more time your site's online, as links come in, you get authority and age and Google likes it a little bit more. Obviously new websites are kind of put in a sandbox, we call it, It takes them some time to get out. So I'm kind of maturing it over time. But to answer your question directly the way to do it in travel and again i've been figuring this out is when you write a review about a place you want to tell people how you get there so one place that i went to last year is iceland and a lot of people are intrigued by it it's actually google trends and it's one of the most growing travel countries out there i mean it's, it's crazy how people are getting turned on to iceland now um i thank instagram for that really um it's kind of cool you go out there and you tell people about hey i went to the blue lagoon which is an outdoor thermal spa very cool place. I mean, one of the coolest places I've ever visited, even though I did find out it's man made, which kind of was a letdown, but that's fine. I mean, it's one of the best things man has ever made, I like to say. But people like to know how to get there. I mean, which airlines fly there? Where do you stay? So, two things right there I can make commissions on. One, any airline trip on Booking.com, right? They'll pay a commission on any airline trip that you book. So, I tell people hey, go to Booking.com, type in wherever you're from, whether it's Pittsburgh or Dallas or Los Angeles, and find a flight. Go ahead and book that. So you can make a commission on that. The next is where you stay. So you can stay at a property over there and the program I promote a lot and kind of from personal experience, which makes things easier in affiliate marketer. If you're in affiliate marketing and you've got personal experience with any niche, it makes your ability to write about it and sell it that much better. So I like to promote Marriott and they've got a huge umbrella of hotels, many I didn't even know about a few years ago when I started doing this and, and traveling more. Um, you know, they own Ritz Carlton, they own the W, They've got partnerships with a lot of boutique hotels in in big cities that you never know about. But if you join Marriott Bonvoy, you'll find out about this and you'll get credits on stays. And usually every year I I earn enough to do a huge spring break somewhere really cool and and blow all those points. Um, But that's because I signed up for the loyalty program, which I encourage my readers to sign up for as well. And if people do book on there, I get a small percentage of the room. I think it's like 4%. So do the math on that. If someone stays at a nice Marriott in in Iceland, which is going to cost you about $400 a night, take 4% of that and you know, they stay for a week. It's, it's decent money all for writing a review about maybe a restaurant, right? In Iceland, that was very easy to rank for because it's just a little Iceland restaurant and let's face it, how many people take the time to write about those? Mm-hmm. There's a couple of foodies out there that'll do that. Maybe TripAdvisor has a place on it. Maybe, uh, you know, um, a or one of those like uh food, I don't know if I'm saying it right, those food rating sites has it, but there's not a lot of third party people out there that just wrote about their experience first person with real pictures, told you what they ate, rated it, rated the service and really went the whole nine yards. And then at the end, they told you where they stayed, how they got there, what tours to do. And those are all things you can get commissions on, which is very cool.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. Um, what is your, your your process like, like when you're writing that article? Because I, full disclaimer, this is just more so a fun conversation. I have a, a website that I've wished that I was able to spend more time on. Unfortunately, i, I just I'm not able to at this point. Um but in the world of uh it's called bad vegans and I want to write about all the different experiences of like food and travel and things like that. But when you're writing when you're writing these articles about like a restaurant review or like a travel site, how are you I guess when you're enjoying the moment, how do you split the balance of enjoying yourself and this food experience or this travel experience versus in the back of your head, oh crap, I need to write a kick-ass article about it.
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. What I try to do, and this is uh, kind of me uh, trying to enjoy the moment with whoever I'm traveling with and not be that guy who's working all the time. Mm -hmm. What I try to do is take a lot of photos. Mm. So anything from, you know, if they've got craft cocktails or beer, just something that really was cool all the way to in Iceland, we were actually at our hotel and, I didn't expect this, but they were like, Oh, we have a very good mixologist. And I was like, yeah, sure you do. It's an old boutique hotel. This guy was amazing. He was making cocktails with fire and ice. And I literally took my iPhone out and started filming it and no one had a problem with it. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. So that turned into a YouTube video, which I don't want to say went viral, but it's a very big part of the channel and a very big part of the review I wrote, but just little things like that. Sometimes they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So if you take a lot of pictures, it'll kind of ring your memory later when you get home or a lot of times I do my writing on planes because there's not a lot else you can do and there's really no distractions. You know, the phone won't ring. And mm-hmm. um, often I've, I travel. I've literally seen every movie American Airlines has on their, their display. Um, so I'll take those photos out and be like, oh, yeah, that cocktail. Let's talk about that. And to me, that just jars my memory and makes it easy to write about. So the number one thing I could say is get a lot of media. So photos, reflect on those and be like, oh, I forgot about that. But thank God I took that photo and there it is. And there's that awesome hike we went on. And before you know it, you've got 300 words written.
0: Yeah. That's, you said 300 words.
1: Well, you know, like I said, 300 words before you even get into any depth on it. Right. I always say, you know, write a thousand word article. If you can, the best, some of the best reviews out there at 4,000, but a simple photo for me, if I take a photo of a cocktail, i would tell the story behind it. You know, this one had a, a gin base and it had some basil in it. And, you know, I like gin, my girlfriend doesn't. But she really liked it because of the uh, other flavors they put in, which were, and sometimes they take a picture of the menu of the exact uh, recipe they used. And just reciting the backstory behind it will give you 300 words. Now, if I'm doing a restaurant review and I've got 300 words on the cocktail alone, that review is going to get to 2,000 words. Because I haven't even talked about the appetizers, the entree, the ambience, which I do, I do take photos of all that stuff. I mean, it, to get a full review, I like to get people every single aspect of the restaurant and the experience out there. So. Uh, again, every photo could be worth, let's call it 200 to 400 words if you really um, have some backbone behind it.
0: Uh, that's a good point. Uh, that's a, that's an interesting take. Uh, each picture is worth, uh, you know, obviously th- – a thousand words at some point in time but uh if you look at it that way when you're just constantly taking pictures and some of them turn out to be pretty good you could pretty much tell another story that that could reside around 200 to 300 words and that's going to increase your account and your 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 credibility and your score in order to inevitably rank for whatever that review uh is that you're doing Um, right really interesting approach uh never really that way
1: and just to extrapolate on that a little bit, you can also go into a backstory. So, for example, just a certain review comes to mind right now. I'm kind of reflecting on it. Um, we're at a restaurant in Iceland with like their famous steakhouse, and I had the horse, which you can't get horse in many places in the world, but nice. it's amazing. So, you know, I had a picture of it, and the picture says exactly what I wrote. I mean, it's the most tender, clean, muscular piece of meat I've ever had, and I'll put it up there with the best rib I've ever had. And anyone who likes red meat, should definitely try it. Um, And then it goes into a story about, you know, hey, like I grew up eating, you know, meat and potatoes, but if I had the ability to eat horse, I would have swapped out beef for horse any day. I mean, it was that good. So you can kind of tell a story about every dish and you can talk about how, you know, my vegan friend was just offended. (laughs) But it it gives you content and it, it tells people you're a real person instead of a lot of the people that go out there and write these reviews and they outsource it to some offshore person. And it just sounds so robotic with no substance. I mean, people know you are actually there when you tell a backstory, even if it's something dumb, like my friend's never uh, eaten a piece of beef in his life, but he ate the horse and loved it. I mean, that connects with your readers and increases your conversion beyond, beyond metrics I can even explain.
0: Yeah, and that's that's great. I mean, there's so many useful tips from this conversation that we've had uh, thus far and incredibly uh, grateful for your time, your expertise uh, in the, the subject matter of affiliate marketing and, and SEO. As we wind this conversation down a little bit, um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about how people can learn more about you. How people can um, take part in your journey and potentially become a customer um, buy your books etc
1: well thank you for that opportunity I appreciate that Uh, my personal website is www.timschmidt.com and it's S-C-H-M-I-D-T some people spell it with T-T but mine's uh, DT not to be confused with uh, Tim Schmidt of the Eagles or Tim Schmidt the president of the National uh, Concealed Carry Association there's a couple of us out there I'm the only one with the domain, so uh,
0: nice. So screw those guys.
1: Yeah. Well, Tim, I've actually gotten to know Tim Schmidt of the National Concealed Carry Association, who's on, you know, the news all the time. He's tried to buy it a few times, and I've turned down some big numbers. It's been hard, but you know what? I just I can't. So yeah. (laughs) Timschmidt.com is down there. I do have a book coming out this fall called Amplifying Average. Um, I won't talk too much about it, but it goes into a lot of hacks the average person can use. To get ahead in life and in business. I came from a, what I believe a very average background, actually pretty challenged uh, with a brother that had a mental illness um, in, a, in a family of five that, you know, my parents both worked and then had to work on raising my brother throughout the whole uh, trial and stuff. But, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have any advantages. I had a very average um, aptitude score. You can look at my GPA or my SATs and that's proven. I eked my way into college. But, uh, it really talks about how life is about rolling up your sleeves and taking advantage of situations and knowing where to be, how to be, and how to basically be an opportunist from that situation. So um, again, I won't spend time on it, but if you want to get notified of it, I'm actually giving a free copy to anyone who listens to this. Just put in your email address in the bottom of my site. There's a place right there. Um, I'm happy to do it for you. So thanks for listening. And like I said, I'm just trying to get the word out about that. And if you have any business queries, contact information is on the site as well.
0: And all the information will be in the show notes so people can can contact you. Tim, thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Tim Schmidt. All right, listeners, I'm sending a worldwide challenge to challenge you to create more content, to do more, to write more, to record more, whatever it may be. As mentioned throughout this entire conversation, SEO and content generation has been such an amazing resource and such an amazing tool in order for us to to get our message and our story out there. Content very similar to this. And I'd love for you to be able to just, if if you don't plan on necessarily posting something, even if it's like a 30 second video, uh, it doesn't have to be you, it could be anything, just make a post. Make that extra post. And when you do, tweet me at GrzbowskiJ or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode and tell us what you wrote. You can find more about Tim at timschmidt.com, which is a very sought after domain name as you, uh, as you heard in the conversation. And as for us here at penji.co, if you need a on-demand graphic design service for your business, starting at $369 a month, head over to penji.co, which is P-E-N-J-I.co. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to us. If you could share this podcast with a friend, it's the only way that we can cure blindness in business. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a great rest of your day.